today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. You can read along in the screen above or through the app or your Bibles. This is the word of God. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work Um, today we have our pastor lisa who is the better half of the you family uh pastors clan and uh at the Palisades, uh, Hannah is preaching, so um, we clearly have some lazy full-time pastors here at New Mercy. But will you welcome Pastor Lisa as he, she gives the word. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor John. Um, good morning. As Pastor John mentioned, you know, my name is Lisa. Um, and before I start, I just wanted to mention, um, if you were able to be here last week, um, just a quick added addition to what Prakash was saying during his um, testimony. And if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to um, listen to the sermon. But one thing that, uh, you know, he got, he, we had to cut him off because he was kind of going long. But I did want to mention the 13-year-old girl that he kept mentioning and referring to, that is Prakash's mother. So that woman who just kept saying yes to God, who, you know, later on she was known as Amma. I guess in, in Indian, that word Amma also means mother. But um, uh, that word Amma, she was able to share the gospel with so many people. Even now, he says, when he goes to different villages and people already know the gospel, it can be traced back to his mother just telling stories. But he wasn't able to, um, he forgot to sh- that it was his mother, so I just wanted to tell you guys, okay? Um, But anyway, um, as you guys know, the theme for New Mercy this year is Faith Forward, right? So for 2019, it's Faith Forward. For for ourselves, personally, my family, um, 2019 is a big year for us, because me and Wenjie, you know, earlier in the year, in January, we celebrated our 20th anniversary. Also, I want to give a shout out to my youngest daughter, Nora, whose birthday is tomorrow. She's officially, <laughs> she's officially 13. So 2019, in 2019, me and Wenji will officially be parents of four teenagers. Ah! So it really is 2019, a year of faith forward for us personally, right? And so... Um, in, in my mind and in my heart, I've been really trying to really take that theme to heart, really try to understand what it means to step out in faith more. And so um, hopefully you guys are doing the same also. So um, I want to pray before we start, and then we'll get into the sermon. Um, Father, we just thank you so much um, for this time. You are a God that's active and alive, and um, you want to meet with us. And so I pray um, today that your Holy Spirit would just come and enlighten us, that your Holy Spirit would teach us today, and you would help our hearts to be open to you. 
We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I have the privilege of wrapping up the series that we're in. The series that we're in, just to remind you, it's called Rooted to Grow. Um, 1J kicked off the sermon with talking about how important it is to connect and encounter with God in order to grow those roots. Pastor John then went on to talk about you need a purpose and a mission in life that will help you to grow more deeply um, in your faith. Pastor Christine then went and talked about how important commitment is to growing your roots. And then two weeks ago, Pastor Josh talked about the importance of prayer and how having a lifestyle of prayer is more than just communication. It's really communion with Jesus. And today I'm ending the series with the the power of God's word. Okay. And so especially for those who are joining us for the first time, you caught us right at the end of this sermon series, okay? And so um, I'm going to talk about the power of God's word. So things like Whole30, Daniel Fast, Keto, Atkins, Mediterranean diet. Ah, some of you guys are cringing because you guys know what I'm talking about. You've heard those words and phrases, right? They're all diets. They're all popular diets. Um, people have been doing nowadays, right? And summer season is coming. That means swimsuit season. Some of you guys want to lose a couple pounds to put on that bathing suit, right? And so, um, but unfortunately, we all know that a lot of these diets, they're only as good as you're committed to doing it, right? As soon as you go back to your regular (laughs) eating habits, the pounds just come right back on, right? And so unless we're really intentional about having a whole lifestyle change, literally changing how we grocery shop, what kind of foods we have in the house, what kind of snacks we don't have in the house, right? Um, My husband's a huge snacker. Um, uh, Even not going to certain restaurants because you know you want to keep to that keto or the Mediterranean diet, whatever you're doing. Um, And being very conscious of what you put in, literally what you put in your mouth. Um, If you aren't intentional about changing your whole lifestyle, you know you're just going to revert back, right? Um, And Today, I'm going to talk about how the Word of God is actually food, our spiritual food. My first point is the Word of God is powerful because it's nourishment. It helps us to grow. Jesus says in Matthew 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus was on the keto diet. He didn't want to only eat bread, right? Um, But seriously, God's word is nourishment for our souls. It's what matures us. And just as food helps us to grow physically, God's word is what helps us to grow spiritually. How often do you guys eat? Simple question, right? I would assume that you eat probably two to three times a day minimum, right? Um, You probably snack in between, right? Um, But in the same way, um, some 
In the same way, spiritual food is just like that. For example, as a parent growing up, usually my kids were good eaters, but I had one who wasn't that great of an eater. And so I would literally follow him around with a spoon, right, to try and get him to eat more. Um, and so we, we know the, how important food is to physically have your children grow, right? Um, and especially for you foodies out there, if you're not eating food, then you're thinking about food. You're planning what to eat next. You're dreaming about where to go on vacation so that you can eat that awesome food. Some people even plan your whole vacation around where you're going to eat <laughs> rather than the sites you're going to go, right? And so think about that. How much thought goes into what you want to eat or what you eat. Now, if the Bible is our spiritual food, how intentional are we about getting that spiritual nourishment? Ouch, right? For those of you who just love food, physical food, you know, good food especially, um, many of us are fasting without even knowing it. It's as if you're just eating once a week because you come to church regularly. And we all know eating once a week doesn't help you to grow. That would be a severely malnourished child, right, if you're eating once a week. Um, And so uh, imagine if, if we were as intentional about getting spiritual food as we were about just get, eating regular physical food, um, how different our spiritual life would be, right? Imagine if you were very intentional about eating healthy. So you're very intentional about spiritually what's going inside you. We would have very different spiritual lives, right? Um, so the question is, what are some indicators of maturity as a Christian? How do I know that I'm growing and maturing in Christ? Paul describes the Apostle Paul in Hebrews and 1 Corinthians. He uses the analogy of milk and meat. He says milk is like the basic teaching of Christianity. He's like a lot of new believers have milk. But then he goes on to describe meat that being the deeper spiritual truths found in the Bible. And to be honest, some of us are still coasting on milk. Think to yourselves, hey, people can survive on milk. So I've seen children, right, survive on milk, but they only grow to a certain point. It's like, um, and to keep the analogy further, it's like if you saw a 12-year-old still nursing, That would freak you out, right? Some people do it, but that would probably freak you out, right? That's exactly what we're doing spiritually sometimes. We're just surviving on milk. We're not taking our spiritual lives intentionally enough to start eating the meat. Another way I like to describe it is, for example, when my kids were growing up, they would often say to me, And it would drive me crazy. Mom, I'm hungry. (laughs) Right? That's a typical thing kids come to you and say, Mom, I'm hungry. Right? So what did I do as a good parent? I would start getting the food ready. I would 
take it out of the fridge. Sometimes I'd have to go grocery shopping. I'd chop it up. I'd cook it. And then I'd give it to them. And when they're even younger, I would feed them, right? Um, it's the same way. How do I know that they're maturing? Yesterday, they came back from the missions retreat. And Micah's like, I'm hungry. And you know what he did? He didn't ask me, I'm, I'm hungry. You know what he did? Because he's growing up. He made his own hamburger. He cooked it himself. And he was like, this is delicious, <laughs> right? This is awesome. He made, heated it up on the pan. He got his own hamburger bun. I didn't lift a finger. You know why? Because he's growing up. He's maturing. He doesn't say to me, I'm, I'm hungry anymore. He can literally get his own food. That is the same thing. Do you only come to church? Is that your only encounter with the word of God? Does the pastor literally have to chop up the food, <laughs> cook it for you, and present it to you? Is church like a restaurant? Is that the only way you're encountering the word of God? If that's the case, then you're not growing. Many of you guys think to yourself, I've been going to church my whole life. How come I feel like I'm not maturing? That is the reason why. You're not going home and making your own food. You're not going home and preparing your own food and eating it every day. We need to eat more than once a week. Don't be anorexic Christians, right? <laughs> okay? The second thing, I mean, sorry, I'm not done. <laughs> so things like doing devotionals, meditating, memorizing scripture, Bible study, all those are ways that we can get our own food, right? And as Paul reminds Timothy in the passage we read today, it will thoroughly equip you for every good work. For me personally, I started reading the Bible more seriously, I remember in sixth grade, only because, <laughs> only because we had like a Bible reading contest at church and you would get like a prize and stuff. And so I remember reading it more seriously. But when I was younger, my parents had this, uh, I guess back then, um, it was like a popular thing for parents to get. It was like a, a, like several books. It almost looked like encyclopedias of Bible stories. I don't know if your parents had that, if you're old enough to have that. But I would often read that, the um, encyclopedia of Bible stories. And what would be comparable nowadays is probably like the children's storybook Bible. But it would, it's like expanded into like seven, seven volumes or something, right? And so as you guys are reading Bible stories to your kids, really begin to learn to digest that, chew on that, meditate even as you're sharing with your kids, meditate for yourself. Feed yourself as you're trying to feed your kids, right? And so um, that's why I like, you know, Bible apps. Bible app on your phone. You're always on your phone. There's other versions of the Bible. If you have a hard time understanding maybe NIV, a lot of people might have grown up with like King James or something. That's very hard to understand. Very easily there's a tab to switch which version of the Bible or translation, right? And right now I've been reading, um, believe it or not, it's called the ERV, the easy-to-read version. That's actually a thing, right? It's very popular with children's Bibles or sometimes teen Bibles, but I would try that. It's opened up a whole new dimension of the Bible to me, and there's many, many different versions of the Bible. 
but you really have to read it if you're serious about growing as a Christian. Second, God's word is powerful because, as John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word. The Bible is very clear. Jesus is the word. And the more we read it, the more we chew on it, the more we interact with the word, i.e. the Bible, the more we're getting to know Jesus, and therefore, the more we're getting to know God. You see, there's one great truth that many times people, this causes them to stumble about God, and it's the fact that God is invisible. We can't see him. He lives in a realm where with our physical eyes, we can't see him. But as Paul reminds us in the passage today, verses 14 and 15, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to Timothy to remind him that scripture is revealing salvation through the Old Testament. Because remember, at that time, Timothy would have only had access to the Old Testament. And then, therefore, faith in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is basically a big history lesson on the ways God is trying to reveal himself to us. He shows us that he's a holy God and therefore cannot be in the same presence of sinful people or we would die. But the Old Testament also shows us that God is not a distant God. He wants a relationship with people. And in order to be in his presence, God literally gives us a handbook a list of instructions on how we can approach him. That's the kind of God he is. He wants us to approach him. And so we keep getting glimpses of God and his character through the Old Testament. With Abraham, God shows that he wants a people set aside for himself. He literally chooses Abraham and says, you're going to be my people now. In Moses, he shows that he's willing to dwell among his people. Moses had something called tent of meetings, and he, God literally lived among the people and would meet Moses there. Through David, King David, God shows that he looks at the heart, and he values obedience rather than sacrifice. But the most important thing we learned in the Old Testament is that over and over, God loves us. He has such an incredible love for us that he's constantly pursuing us. And that all gets culminated in the word becoming flesh. God came in the human form of Jesus. An invisible God became a visible God. So that we can know him in a more intimate way. If anyone of us wants to know how God treats people, we just... Look at Jesus. He loved the lowly. He's loved the forgotten, the overlooked. If you want to know how Jesus handles opposition, how God handles opposition, then look at Jesus. 
He was never nervous or anxious or afraid. He never panicked, right? Jesus took time to listen, and he understood the pains and struggles that people had. One commentator wrote this, We recognize our level of Christian maturity by the degree in which we know and imitate our Father's holiness. Our chief aim is to be imitators of God as beloved children. But we cannot imitate him properly if we have a faulty understanding of who he is and what he loves. The only inerrant and infallible guide that tells us about God's character and the things that please him is scripture. Jesus is the entire complete message God sent to earth. He is the expression of a personal God. For me, this really hit home when I was in college. Um, It was summer after my first year. I actually signed up to go on a mission trip. It was a six-week-long mission trip to Mongolia, actually. It was my first mission trip. But in order to go, we needed to go to a four-week-long training camp. And it was actually here in Harvey Cedars. Um, I lived in Virginia at the time, so I had to drive up all the way to Harvey Cedars. But um, I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's like a retreat center near, um, near the beach, near the Jersey Shore. But... Um, During that four-week training camp, what we would basically do is we would work for the retreat center during the day, and at night we would have sessions, and then on weekends we would go, like, evangelize at the beach. And so that was four weeks of training. Um, One of the things we did um, that they taught us during that training time was actually something called time alone with God. And that was basically three to four hours of just spending time alone with God, right? Um, And so for me, it was my first time doing it. I was just like 18, 19 years old. Um, I'd never done it before. So of course, the first time they asked me to do it, I fell asleep. (laughs) I was reading the Bible on my bunk. And of course, the Bible is so exciting, but I fell asleep, right? Um, And so the following week, so I took a nice nap. It was probably like a two-hour nap. And then I woke up all refreshed, right? But but my group leader, because she was so wise, she told us the next week, hey, maybe you shouldn't do it on your bed. (laughs) So um, I took her uh, advice to heart. And the next week, I ended up going to the beach because Harvey Cedars is near the beach. And so I said, hey, why don't I just cross the street? I'll just go hang out at the beach, and then I won't fall asleep, right? So I'm I'm walking on the beach. I'm praying. I'm reading scripture. I'm meditating, right? And um, I'm sharing this story because this was probably my first real encounter with God through scripture. And it was so life-changing that it, it just was so, um, such an awesome experience. So at that time, like I said, I was a first year in college, and um, college was not what I thought it would be. Um, I, I went to school in Virginia, and actually, um, from my 400 people ga- graduating class, 100 of us went to the, um, UVA from my school. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I know so many people. I'm going to know so many people. It's not a big deal. 
But when I got there, there were, I was surrounded by so many people I knew, but I was so lonely. It was so different. It, I, I come from a large family. We, there's five of us in my family. Um, and I'm used to being around my sisters, but I'm with a strange roommate that I had never met before. <laughs> um, anytime, uh, if I didn't want to eat by myself, I'd have to call someone, hey, what, what time are you eating? What, which, which dining hall are you going to be at? And... Um, that just becomes a nuisance after a while, right? And so it was very lonely. It wasn't what I anticipated it to be. And so um, I just had a really hard time that first year. And um, as some of you guys know, my, my father had passed away when I was in eighth grade. And so at that time, like, um, since I was a first year, my second sister was um, going to be a junior, and my older sister had just started law school. So three of us in college, and my mom's like a widow trying to support five kids. So of course, we're having a lot of financial issues. And so I was just kind of a little bit depressed, a little bit lonely, a little bit angry at God, maybe a lot angry at God. And I was just, you know, going through my own internal struggles, right? And so as I'm doing that time alone with God, um, my quiet time that day was on Psalm 139. And so I'll read some of one, Psalm 139 to you. Um, and back then in college, I read from the New, Interna- New American Standard Bible, NASB. So I'll read it. And I still have the notation in that Bible um, from way back then. And it reads, O Lord... Thou hast searched me and known me. You dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thoughts from afar. Later on it goes, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. And this is verse 17 and 18 is what hit me as I was sitting at the beach. Um, how precious also are, they, are thy thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sands. And so I'm sitting at the beach, and God is saying, Lisa, look at the number of grains of sand, and every grain is one thought of you. So literally, I, I picked up a handful of sand, and I, I really tried to count it. You, know, you can't count it. It was a lot, and that was just one handful. And God was saying, um, each grain, each grain is one thought, and even that, even my thoughts outnumber the grains of sand there at the beach. And so that encounter with God through the scripture was so powerful to me, it changed everything. It really showed how much God knows me, even when I don't think he does. How much he loves me, even when I think he's ignoring me. Um, how much he cares. And so, he revealed himself to me in a way that was so personal. But it was written how many thousands of years ago? Right? That is the power of God's word. It reveals Jesus Christ to us. And lastly, God's word, what does it do? It cleanses us. Ephesians 5, 25 to 26 says, Husbands, love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And this last part, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Because Jesus is the word, the Bible actually has power to wash us and make us clean. And as Romans 12 too reminds us, it's supposed to transform us and renew our minds. When I was in high school, I used to actually love scary movies. So I'm kind of dating myself by naming these movies. So like Friday the 13th, <laughs> Pet Cemetery, Hellraiser. Do you guys remember that with all the pins sticking on the face? <laughs> Poltergeist, they made a remake of that, right? Um, but nowadays, I can't watch scary movies anymore because sometimes those pictures, they just stay in my mind. I just can't get rid of that, that picture from the movie, right? Or um, that fear just lingers. Like my, I remember me and my sister went to watch Pet Cemetery, and we couldn't sleep by ourselves after that. She was like so scared. We had to like share the bed for like two weeks after watching that movie, right? Um, and forget going to the bathroom. Like at night, you just would hold it because you're like so scared to get up, right? But um, but I think just that those things would linger in our minds, right? And that's why I think like pornography or explicit TV shows or watching extremely violent scenes, it's really dangerous and, and not helpful because the images just stay with you, right? And it's so hard to get rid of. But that's what the Bible says it does. It's like water that cleans us. It's like running your brain and your eyes through a washing machine. It gives us the, not only the correct standard of how Christians should think, but it also says it washes us clean. John Orthberg writes, It's a frightening thing to begin to see the truth about our own mind and its need for cleansing. Imagine having a mind cleansed of all the debris that blocks our best intentions. Imagine if each time you saw another person, your first thought was to pray for him or bless her. Imagine what it would be like any time you were challenged or anxious, your reflexive response would be to turn to God for strength. Imagine if you're a married man, that whenever you looked at any woman other than your wife, you would see her as if she were your sister or your daughter. Imagine genuinely wishing your enemies well. This is what it means to have your mind washed by the word and what it means to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The passage says, all scripture is God-breathed. That means the word of God is infused with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is helping our minds to understand spiritual truths and therefore renewing your mind, cleansing us from the ways that the world has infiltrated us, right? Opening your Bible, but also opening your heart to the Holy Spirit is the key ingredient to cleaning ourselves from the things of the world. So to wrap up, God's word has the power, one, to mature us, two, to reveal Christ and therefore reveal more of God, and third, 
it cleanses us by renewing our minds. So practically speaking, we have to be intentional about reading the Bible. If you haven't already, like I mentioned before, download the Bible app. I know we're always on our phones. So you have those 5, 10 minutes waiting for your kids. You have those 5, 10 minutes while you're commuting um, on the way to work. That Bible app, you know, it's helpful because you you don't just read it, but it also has a button where it reads it aloud to you. So some of you, if you literally have to drive yourself to work, just turn on the audio portion and it'll read it to you. It's so helpful. So um, be as intentional about reading the Bible, taking the time to read the Bible, as you are about thinking what you're going to eat for dinner. <laughs> right? Join us when we do courses Pick a verse to meditate on throughout the day. The, mom, the mom's group were doing um, the Beatitudes, and this week we went over, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so I asked them to think through the week. Think about that verse. Meditate on it. Right? Talk about what you just read in your devotional with a friend. That really reinforces it. And so lastly... If you really want to be rooted in faith, the Bible reminds us that it's not just reading the word. That's important. But it's the stepping out in faith. It's obeying what the word says. James, the book of James reminds us, real faith is seen in the action. He tells us, be effectual doers of the word, not just listeners. Right? And so um, I want to pray. I want to pray that we can be intentional about wanting to read the Bible, about really taking our um, maturity or immaturity in the faith seriously so that we can take steps to, um, to start growing. And so um, this whole series about rooted in faith, Let's really think about it. Let's really pray and consider, God, what are some areas I can be more intentional so that I can grow? So let's pray together.